the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 121, is it, of the Severe MMA podcast? <laughs> A great start there, as always. My name is Sean Sheehan, and with me, as he is every week, is the Chuck Bass of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. We're back with another week of chat about MMA, about Anything you want to ask us, questions are coming in at the end of the show. Stay for them. If you want to ask us questions about next week at Severe MMA Pod, send them to us there all week. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Sheehan Ba. You can follow Graham at Severe MMA. Well, we're going to talk. We'll, we'll tell you what we'll talk about before we, we get into it. We're going to talk about the New Zealand cards that went down at the weekend. Um, not a great fight in the main event, but it's okay. We'll, we'll get to that and some good, very, very good finishes. Uh, we're going to look ahead to the Holly Holm Bechikoya um, fight and card next week, which is maybe not a great main event, but I was just looking at the card there before we started. It's not actually a bad card, so we'll get to that. And uh, we'll talk a bit about uh, Mighty Mouse again and his situation with the UFC. We spoke a little bit about it last week, and I th- I've changed my tune an awful lot, so so stick around for that. We'll, we'll discuss that a lot. Uh, to halfway through the show, Graham, how are you? Good weekend. Yeah, good, good weekend. Uh, bit of a disappointing result for for Ireland in the football, but uh, when you got the ref playing against you, it's difficult. Jesus, you're, at least I'm on your side this time when you're complaining about refs. Like he uh, he was. <laughs> oh, can we not just implement the rules as as they're meant to be implemented? It's too difficult to ask. That wouldn't work. That, I, can't, I can't see that working. Like it'd, it'd be it'd change a lifetime of just terrible refereeing. And sure, at least just, it's not just football. In, in the NBA, in the NBA, they're doing the same thing in the finals. So uh, that was an absolute farce. They uh, they they changed the technical foul uh, to, in order to keep a guy on the pitch. Really, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I watched a bit yeah. of it. I watched a bit of it. Ugh, basketball's a bit weird. Like these seven games for finals, it's just stupid. Like, what, what's that about? Play one game. Just, you find out who the who the real best is. I suppose is the, is the theory. Like, but uh, yeah, it's a bit. It drags on a bit. Yeah, just all. I suppose if you're used to it, if you grow up with that, you're used to it. It's a, uh, sometimes the the final of like a Champions League or something can be uh, or uh, any any kind of final you can get unlucky with a, with a ref or something in one game so maybe it is a little bit of who the best team is over seven yeah maybe you're right yeah Liverpool probably wouldn't have won the Champions League uh, against AC Milan that time <laughs> so yeah I agree Man, with you they probably wouldn't have won it either against Chelsea or against uh, Bayern Munich listen these, these things happen in MMA <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you see the foot, the foot boxing incident as well I did yeah that was that was crazy yeah Describe it to people if they haven't seen it. What happened? Um, I'm not sure of the guy's name, but he I think he won the welter welterweight belt, and uh, uh, he 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 landed a it was a, I think it was I don't know it was a it was a hook I think, and uh, your man turned away and turned his back, and he just clobbered him and knocked him out, and then uh, started celebrating, which is it's fair enough because you for no for no reason the, the, his his opponent just turned his back, and then uh, his opponent's uh, corner just ran in and started beating the crap out of him in the corner. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see it, Grabaka Hitman has it. I think it's Grabaka underscore Hitman on on Twitter. He put up the video of it. Yeah, it's kind of gone viral. But yeah, but it was a bit mad, wasn't it? Searman, his corner man came in, Superman punched him when he, when he was up. Yeah, it was actually pretty good, pretty good punch. But I suppose he didn't. He wasn't expecting it. So maybe if he he had been expecting it, he would have got out of the way. Like, it, it, do you know the way they saying say he got his bell rang? That's what happened. Like, I I, I genuinely think he got hit so hard he thought the bell rang. 
and he was like, "I'll stand around." I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Like there was what, like there was like two minutes left in the round or something. Was there? It was a long time left in the round, and he just turned and walked away to his corner, and like the round was over, and the man punched him. Like there was, you know, there was nothing, nothing wrong with it. But I don't know. The boys took a bit of offense to it, or for for some reason, maybe they thought it was the end of the round or something. I don't know what happened, but um, yeah, yeah but these things happen sometimes. And- Footboxing, you know. Footboxing, yeah, they do. Footboxing is the greatest thing I've ever come up with. Let's be honest here. I made a great call at the weekend, and uh, which we'll get in a few minutes. But this footboxing, I'm not a big. Are you a big fan of footboxing? I'm not really. No, not not particularly. I prefer uh, a way prefer MMA. It's just it's just a poor poor version of MMA with yeah. big balloons on their hands and all all that lurk. Yeah. Speaking of poor versions of MMA. Uh, the New Zealand UFC card was on in, in Auckland <laughs> this weekend, and uh, God, the, the card dragged a little bit, but but the main card turned out to be um, to be pretty good with some good finishes. Uh, but we're we're going to talk about the main fight and the main card, and that was Mark Hunt versus Derek Lewis in the UFC heavyweight division. Two two ranked guys coming in here in a division which which is a little bit disjointed at the moment so there's probably title shots going to be flying around to people we don't know who's going to be next for, for Stephen Miocic and I think Derek Lewis on what, he was on a 6-5 winning streak coming in here so it was a, it was a big chance for him but um, he didn't he didn't really take it did he how did, how did you see the fight playing out did it play out like you thought it would play out um, yeah pretty much except I was, there's always that um that or that uh, likelihood. Well, it seemed like it was a likelihood over his last few fights that he might be that Derek Lewis might be losing the fight and then just kind of end up on top somehow and and win win by TKO. But uh, uh, Mark Hunt fought smart and patient, and uh, uh, Derek Lewis, I think he uh, expended a bit more energy than he usually does, throwing a few a few kicks at the at the the first round and the second round that made him very very tired. Uh, and uh, when you put your hands on your knees and stand against a cage, uh, it's it's not a good look. Especially, uh, you're it's very risky against somebody with the power of Mark Hunt. And uh, he was eating a lot of shots by by the end of the, the fight. And I think uh, I think the the stoppage by Goddard, I think it was was it Goddard. Yeah, yeah I think it was. A, yeah, I think it was a good stoppage because he he was just he was just not defending himself properly. He was just he's basically out in his feet uh, up against a cage and. He, I don't think he was going to. He pretty much definitely wasn't going to turn the fight around, and was just taking punishment. So I think it was a good, a good uh, mercy stoppage. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I've a, a lot of thoughts about this fight. I think Derek Lewis actually fought better in this fight than he's ever fought in the UFC before, or attempted to fight better. Like <clears throat> what he tried to do last night, basically, was he? What he always tries to do is wait for a guy to come into his range, counter him, and hurt him, but. Last night, he was moving a lot more than he usually does, going from side to side. Hunt found it very hard to hit him in the first round clean. Uh, and he, as you see, he didn't really hit him that many times clean in the first two rounds. He was just sliding away enough, enough kind of using his, his big man speed, defending well, blocking a lot of shots, and, and doing well you know, in that area. The... the Another good thing he was doing was throwing those kicks, but as you said, I, I watched back the fight there today. He he threw fifteen kicks in the first round, which for a heavyweight is is huge. And I think only like maybe two or three of them were leg kicks, and they were good leg kicks. And one of them hurt on to uh, cut his uh, cut his shin, but maybe he threw maybe seven or eight head kicks. Like he threw one his spinning kick. He threw a, like a switch knee. It was just. <laughs> for a heavyweight to be expending that much energy is insane. Now, 
we spoke last week, and it's always a big talking point when you're talking about Derek Lewis, is his um is his output, and he definitely you know he definitely has a, a lot less output than most people in MMA today. But he he upped his output in this fight, but he still didn't didn't have a high output. But he was expending more energy than most people normally would, which is a bit weird. Like he was all these shots were energy expending shots. Like there was almost no jabs. When he threw his right hands, he kind of did put it together with a one-two, which was another big improvement, which he usually doesn't do. But he was still like throwing one shot, big, huge uppercuts from out and over, which Mark Hunt could see and and was just sliding back and missed them. So there was improvements, but it was it, you know those improvements came at a cost. Like what Derek Lewis, what brought Derek Lewis to the dance, what got him here, was absolutely no output and taking your chances. And he, that that just he kind of left that behind last night, and I admire what he did because he had tried to get better and he did get better, but him not being good made him good if that makes sense. Like him just lying back, absorbing shots all the time, giving lads confidence to come into his wheelhouse, and then him rocking them, knocking them down, getting in the mount and knocking them out was was what made him good, and he just didn't have that last night. Yeah. I think uh, him actually trying to fight more exciting and trying to go for a finish actually cost him, uh, made it, made it worse for him in the fight. He just didn't have the cardio to, in, in a five-round fight to, to do that, I don't think. And uh, <laughs> Fair play to him for, for trying to add things to his game and making improvements, but I think um, I think the cardio part of it uh, really let him down. Uh, as I was saying, like hands on the knees and hands on the hips. Yeah. When you're only three rounds in, into it, into a five round main event, uh, five round fight, it's just uh, it, it was unlike Derek Lewis because usually, as you say, he waits and he waits and he waits, <laughs> and then you make a small mistake and he, and he and he capitalizes and finishes the fight. And he tried to be more proactive here, but Mark Hunt is a is a much more skilled striker, and Hunt has a way of uh, moving away from shots that even the shots that landed, they were he was kind of moving away from a lot of them, or they weren't landing cleanly. Uh, even the, all the head kicks he threw, yeah, they they were good. But I think Hunt blocked all of them, if not most of them, anyway. And uh, uh, it's tough. It's tough for Lewis because he 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 definitely he's definitely getting better. Like that was, I think you said it just there. He's, he's probably his best performance <laughs> early on. Uh, he had he had the most he had the most um, more more tools than he usually does. But when you don't have the cardio, it, it's just it's just it's going to cost you. That, and that's what happened. Yeah, like I watching Mac the fight. When watching it live, it looked like his cardio was a lot worse than I was watching it back. He he mentioned the back injury, and I think that did play a big part. Like you could see him leaning back, and that that's not something you do when you get tired. Like you lean forward and stuff, and you get tired. The back injury definitely played a part. But I thought, as you said, the third round, I thought it was late in the third round and into the fourth where he got very bad, and it's because Hunt was attacking the body as well, and. Like you, you know, now it's kind of like a Matt Brown, Donald Cerrone situation. When you have problems with your body in the past, people are going to attack him, and they're going to keep attacking him. And Derek Lewis is going to have to deal with that. But yeah, he he died a death kind of around the third round and went full data five thousand in the fourth round. Then was just... yeah, he actually did. And um, he put like when you put your hands on your hips like that, it, it gives such motivation to the, your opponent. Like Mark Hunt immediately started upping the tempo, landing to the body. He knew he had him tired. He. he Maybe Lewis was was tired before, and he was trying not to show it, and he just kind of had to had to show it in the end. But 
uh, maybe he, he would have been better off just uh, just holding his hands up and uh, just not giving that confidence booster to, to Hunt. <laughs> Even if it did cost him energy to hold his hands up, he, uh, he would have been better off doing that. Yeah, I think um, in the fourth round, like Lewis kind of went, I, I, I'm either going to get knocked out with one shot or I'm going to knock Hunt out with one shot in the fourth round. You know, it was kind of it was kind of that way. He, like in fairness to him, he did go for it in the end. But I, I think we must mention as well, from Hunt's point of view, I thought he fought a very, 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 very smart, cerebral sort of fight. You know, he didn't rush in. His cardio looked really, really good into the fourth round. He was still throwing at the output. He was throwing throughout the whole fight, you know. The, working that jab, that lead left hook from him is just a pretty shot. Throwing the right, the right hand was a little bit off, and I, I give credit to Lewis for that. I think he was defending really well. He was moving his head a lot better than he has before, just kind of ducking it under. Because Mark Hunt does throw that right hand, he he does, um, you know, he does kind of whirl it up. He he gets a lot of power into it before he throws it, where the left hook kind of comes in a little bit quicker and it's harder to read. But yeah. Mark Hunt did. I, I was very impressed with Mark Hunt's footwork as well. Even though Lewis was moving, Lewis was moving, um, was moving sideways and moving around a lot more than he usually would, making it hard for Hunt. I think Hunt did push him back maybe ten times in the fight to get him right against the fence where he could tee off, and he did a lot of the damage there, especially in the third and fourth. As I say, with those body shots, and you know he landed a lot of right hands too. Was, at one stage. And it shows Derek Lewis's chin as well. Hunt landed a clean right hand, just an overhand right, right on the chin of Derek Lewis. And Derek Lewis hit him with kind of a counter that didn't seem half as hard, but landed clean enough as well. And he hurt Mark Hunt way more than Mark Hunt hurt him. His chin is just unbelievable. He just he took a full, full force shot from Mark Hunt, and it didn't even uh, it didn't even face him. But as as you said, you know, it was the cardio, it was the, the back injury, it just. And, and you know the back injury is obviously going to be made worse by being very inefficient with your, you know, with your kicks and stuff like that. By the by, the time the third round came, he was out of it. But uh, I think the I think yeah. the early leg kicks from Mark Hunt helped as well. He landed some some good leg, leg kicks earlier, and even though he he had a big lump on his his own uh, shin, I think that was when he checked the kick, and I think uh, Lewis kind of stopped throwing leg kicks yeah. after that as well. So. Mark Hunt won that won that leg kick battle, and I think uh, Lewis has had problems with leg kicks before and. Kind of has to, he kind of changes stance pretty pretty early when he, when he's hurt and kind of takes him out of his game a little bit. So I think that was a smart tactic by uh, Mark Hunt as well. And obviously, when he spotted that, uh, when Lewis showed him that he was tired, he obviously started working the body, which was it was smart and cerebral, as you said. Uh, it was a very composed performance by Mark Hunt, and he 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 knew that uh, even though he's obviously a much better striker technically than Derek Lewis, he knew that Derek Lewis has ungodly power, and he, he respected that even even when he had Lewis uh, up against the cage and and very tired he still knew that at any moment Lewis could just <laughs> spark him yeah I, I think a lot of people I think a couple of people I saw gave Lewis a round or two uh the first one, round was very very close I thought which one the first round the first round uh, I thought yeah I don't know like all those high kicks he were he was throwing Mark unblocked every one of them like I don't know. He landed one that switch knee. He kind of half landed, but it, it was a powerful enough shot. So I give him that. But mm. I, I think, think Hunt barely barely landed in that round, bar the bar the leg kicks. Um, but uh, yeah, it was very very close round. But from then on, I think Hunt kind of took over and uh, figured out that the timing a lot quicker than Lewis yeah. did. And obviously, Lewis got tired and Hunt didn't. So that uh, obviously played into it as well. 
Yeah, on the stoppage as well, I know you mentioned it there, but a lot of people were calling it an early stoppage and things. For me, like someone said to me, it was a mercy stoppage. And I said, yeah, good. <laughs> you know, we need mercy stoppages in, in MMA. Look, he was down three rounds for me, uh, you know, about to be down four rounds. If you want to call it 3-1, fair enough. You know, he wasn't coming back into it. Okay, he could have got the knockout or whatever. But you, had, you, you have to look at that side of it as well. Then you look at... Derek Lewis, he was so tired, he, his back was injured, he could do almost nothing, and then he was lying down, his head forward, crouched over, Mark Hunt elbowing him in the back, punching him in the face, and he wasn't moving. Like, I think you add all those three things together, especially the last one. If you don't have the last one, he can, he can fight on. But the last one is there where he is just taking damage with his head down. Not, that's not an intelligent defense, and I think Mark Goddard was right to step in. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Mark Goddard was probably telling him, shouting at him to to move or to to sh- show him something. I'd say I'd say it wasn't just he didn't just jump in and stop the fight without without giving Lewis a chance to kind of to kind of uh, show him something more than just leaning up against the cage with your hands down. <laughs> it's not really uh, not really enough for Goddard. So uh, I'd say Goddard was talking to him, telling him to move, and I think Lewis uh, didn't didn't um, didn't protest the stoppage. So I think that that says a lot as well. Yeah. Right, right here we come now to my favorite part of the podcast. Derek Lewis retired in the cage after the the fight. <laughs> Most likely, he says. As if, as if. T- take it away, Graham. Go on. Yeah, um, <laughs> just it seems all the rage to be a uh, fake retiring these days. So uh, I fully expect Lewis to be back. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why people love jumping on these retirements he didn't even he didn't even say he was retired he was like maybe probably Brian Stan tried to clarify it and he's and he's like oh I'd probably I don't I don't think uh definitely don't think that'll be the last we see of Lewis I think uh he, he'll probably uh that back as best he can and we probably won't even notice that he's uh quote retired at all he'll probably be back in a few months <laughs> I think he said it more than anything just to get a few months off <laughs> so he could go on his honeymoon and maybe enjoy life for a while. I think Mike Bond put up um, that Lewis has 12 fights in the last 37 months or something like that, which is an inordinate amount of fights, especially for heavyweight, the amount of damage that you know that they're taking. And he is a guy who does take a fair bit of damage. You know, he, He'll he give you 15 to land one. Like, you know, Derek Lewis is he's like one of those type of guys. So, yeah. But MMA retirement, like, people still believe him. I, like I see prominent members of the MMA media saying, "Man, if we lose Derek Lewis, it'll be it'll be a sad day." And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're not losing Derek Lewis. He's not retiring. Anthony Johnson's not retiring. They should fight. You know, these. Sure, Anthony Johnson's already getting that itch, isn't he? What did he do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like oh, two weeks after he retires, he's like already. Oh, I want to come back. Tommy Tommy Toll is one of the best tweets of all. Like uh, Derek Lewis has signed a contract with LA Rams. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, just whenever someone retires, just don't believe it. You know, if it's three years, maybe I didn't believe it. But other than that, uh, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be believing it too much. From then on, I suppose looking ahead, Mark Hunt, he has this he has this lawsuit with the UFC still ongoing. The UFC tried to get it thrown out there uh, last week. I think uh, Paul Gift is doing some stuff with that and. Um, What's the other chap's name? Uh, er, um, McGracken, is it Eric? Eric, I think. Uh, but 
Yeah, he's uh, Paul Gift is MMA analytics anyway, I believe. So the, the two lads are always re- are retweeting each other anyway. You can um, find uh, follow them over on Twitter. But look, it's it's going to be tough for Mark Hunt to go forward. You know, he's always talking about title shots. He got an interim title shot um, against Fabrizio Verdun, which he was winning until he got knocked out with a flying head kick, out of, or sorry, with a flying knee. Um, and it's going to be tough to get back there while he's. You know, while he's in this position with the UFC, like he was given to Derek Lewis last night and he's home down to lose. Let's be honest about it. Uh, to keep Derek Lewis um, going, he's probably going to be. I, I could see him fighting Francis Ngannou in, in his next fight. You know, that's another one he'd be expected to lose and another one he might not lose. You'd never know. But what, what do you think for Mark Hunt going forward? You know, is it better off to get this thing out the way with the UFC and, and move on or is it going to create problems going forward? Well, uh, there was actually during the week we found. I think it was between the last podcast and now we found out that uh, Overeem was given a, a retrospective QE for for an IV before he fought Mark Hunt. So oh, was he? I never saw that. Did he? Jesus, Mark Hunt was came out. He wasn't happy with that at all. <laughs> he wasn't happy one bit. He says, uh, he, apparently, according to Hunt's quotes, it seems that Overeem was was saying he was sick and that's why he needed the the IV. And uh, Overeem was like, yeah, he didn't look sick to me. <laughs> or Hunt was saying Overeem didn't look sick to him. <laughs> that fucking horse meat it was probably rotten that, he, that he'd be eating. But yeah, yeah like, maybe maybe they'll give Hunt, they'll probably give Hunt, a, well, if Ken Velasquez ever actually fucking comes back, <laughs> they, they might uh, they might try and give him a, give him a nice style matchup in Mark Hunt. But uh, yeah, it's hard to know what's going to happen with Mark Hunt. Are they going to really push him towards a title shot when he's when he's in this legal battle? I don't really think so. But there's so little, there's so little depth at heavyweight that uh, you'd never really know. Like, I think, I think they they were hoping. Well, they, I think they were probably hoping that uh, that Lewis would win here and that he'd be on a, he'd still be on a win streak and they, they could. Uh, they could uh, put him into title contention, but I don't think I don't see them doing the same with Hunt. He's forty three now as well. Hunt is he forty three? Like yeah. yeah, so he's he's not exactly young, but at heavyweight, you know, uh, every every other division maybe below that, it, it'd be it'd be a lot uh it'd be a lot more of an issue. But everybody in the heavyweight division is is very old, so you never know what Hunt. He might stay around. He might become a bit of a caricature. He's already a bit of a Dan Henderson at the moment. Dan Henderson age, so. Um. Yeah, that lawsuit's definitely not going to help him in any way. But um, it's it's hard to know uh, if Cain Velasquez is is ready to go soon. I, I I'd say they might go with that because that's a that's a, that's a matchup that uh from our and that could uh could be a nice warm up warm up uh, back from injury for Cain Velasquez. Yeah, like Cain Velasquez was there last night, and there seemed to be. They seem to be pushing that Ken Velasquez would fight Derek Lewis maybe if he'd won. Well, that, that's what it kind of seemed like to me anyway. But then there was there was no word of it after Mark Hunt won. So I'm not sure if that's on the horizon. They probably have to, you know, they probably have to recalibrate things as we say uh, going forward. But yeah, that that's a fight I could see happening. You know, there's, but it, it's tough. It's tough for Hunt as well. You know, he's lost to the champion for Mayotchich. Um, he's lost to over him he's lost to uh to Verdum as well lost to JDS a lot of the lads up there he, he's already lost to. there was talks of Ingenau fighting um fighting JDS next I'm not sure if that well, is that, that that wasn't made official was it I don't think it was no I don't think so yeah it's tough there's, there's a lot of fights for him a lot of fun fights there Mark Hunt is always going to be a fan favorite as well and I think you know 
people are getting a little bit tired of the whole lawsuit thing. You know, that kind of just happens with things like that. And it's no fault of Mark, Mark Hunt's, like, uh, I definitely, uh, on his side with the whole lawsuit and things like that, Brock Lesnar situation was a complete and utter joke. Uh, and, he, you know, he should get compensated for that. But, yeah, as you said, it's it's going to make things uh, very difficult going forward. Um, and the Derek Lewis signed in. You know, I see Travis Brown called him out, uh, said he was, he was spewing false news about him. <laughs> Beating up his uh, his ex fiance, I believe, or was ex wife, I think, yeah. Which you know is fair enough. He was he was cleared of the charges and stuff. So you know he he'd obviously be a bit um, peeved about that, and he wants to fight again. Would you like to see that fight again? I think it makes kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think the the, the JDS and Ganu one is going to happen. It seems it seems to be pointing towards that. So you can take both of them out of there, and there isn't there isn't much there isn't much else you can really do. Um, so I think that does make sense, especially with a bit of with a bit of beef there, a bit of bit of bad blood. Everybody, everybody likes that. So yeah, I think that does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Look, Derek Lewis will definitely be back as well. Let's be honest; he's not retired. Yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just act like let's just assume that he's going to be back because he's definitely going to be back. Yeah, he's definitely going to be back. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's move on further down the car. There was there was. Couple of very very good fights on the main card, but we'll we'll talk a little bit about the undercard fights before we get to them. Um, Ch- Chan Mijong went in against JJ Aldridge in the opening fight of the night, and she got beaten thirty twenty seven. But I like I saw a little bit of you know she's not a bad fighter. I don't think uh, you know she she good power, but output wasn't good enough jj aldridge was keeping her at the end of the jab her, her uh, aldridge's defense was very very good uh she took it on short notice as well and she came in overweight did a did a chang me um so you know tough loss for her but i i think she left me back 19 years of age like I, I could see her being someone in the future who you know who climbs those ranks and maybe gets you know yeah four or five more years could be um could be right there thereabouts yeah, nineteen in in MMA is so young. You're a baby at nineteen in MMA. So she's she's a her first fight in the UFC as well. She maybe she was a bit nervous. Obviously, it was short notice. She didn't make weight. Don't know how how uh, how much effort, like if she if she killed herself trying to trying to make the weight, or if, or if she didn't, maybe maybe that affected her trying to get down to the weight. And the cardio wasn't quite there. But um, yeah, um, she's definitely like nineteen. Like yeah, it's so hard to like. She's gonna make strides in between in between fights uh, for years. Uh, she's got a lot of development ahead of her, so definitely wouldn't rule her out yet. And uh, I think she's five and one, is she? So she so she has a few wins behind her already. She she's uh, she's definitely not a write off anyway. Yeah, I agree. And JJ Aldridge as well, repping Irish MMA and her UFC fight. Get fair play to her. Get another win for Irish MMA there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was I was impressed with her as well. Not just uh, Changmi. I thought that she showed a lot of improvements from past fights as well. And she's another one that could be uh, moving up the ranks. Um, Zach Otto as well got a win over uh, Kichi Kunimoto in a. It was a pretty good fight. He dominated the first couple of rounds. Um, lost the third and lost the third. Yeah, so I, I think the judges got that one. Uh, all right, John Moragadin came in against uh, against Ashkan Makatarian, Henrik Makatarian. The, the new rules were in effect of um, more liberal ten eights and all, but uh, somebody judges didn't get the memo. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think he landed a. I don't think uh, Makatarian landed a, a punch in one of the rounds, and he still didn't get a given a ten nine by a couple of the judges. So uh, I think so, somebody tweeted as well that that was uh, the judges. First judging assignment, so maybe uh, 
maybe they'll get better to yeah there should be 10 eights in there but it didn't matter because they because uh because moraga won every round it it didn't come down to it didn't didn't cost them anyway so yeah uh definitely should have been a couple of 10 eights in there but i think one of the judges did give them but a couple of the judges didn't so uh yeah i don't know what that was about there was clear 10 eights in there yeah complete domination yeah i agree I think the one judge got it right. I think it was thirty twenty-five. That made uh, that made sense to me. Um, Luke Jumeau came in against Dominic Steele as well. Another relatively close fight. I, I, I thought he I thought he deserved as well. New Zealand guy and uh, big you know big uh, shout from the crowd and came on the mic afterwards and said you know I could have been caught with it last year so you know I'm, I'm just getting on my way now and you know he, apparently he um, fought Jake Matthews and a couple of more lads that are in the UFC before and lost and, and built his way back up so it's always nice to see someone like that you know come coming back up and uh, Vince Michelle Vin, yeah Vince Michelle beat Damian Brown as well but uh, it reminded me a knockout it reminded me of Czech Congo versus Pat Barry near the end just Brown was coming in against him, pushing him up against the fence, thinking he might have him hurt. And then Vince Vince Michelle just hits him with a beautiful jab, uppercut, and knocks him clean out back on his knees. Just a brilliant knockout. Were you were you a fan of that one? Yeah, that was that was very nice. And uh, yeah, I think uh, the ref may, maybe let him take a couple couple more shots than necessary, but nothing nothing egregious. But yeah, uh, Vince Michelle, that was a was a nice clean combo, that, and the uppercut was beautiful. So yeah, really nice knockout. Yeah, opening the card in main card was Alexander Volkanovsky against uh, Mizuto Hirota. Um, it's just a unanimous decision win here as a win. Could have been maybe close at ten round in, in maybe one or two of the rounds, but um, Volkanovsky was was pretty good. He was impressed impressive for me. The featherweight division obviously uh, growing a lot. He could be one that maybe climbs the ranks, but he's a bit of work to do as well. But uh, you know, easy kind of match up here for him, and he did well. Yeah, he, yeah, he dominated the the first round. Was getting easy takedowns. Uh, he was he was thrown, um, or he was uh, nice and fluid between between striking and grappling, and constantly keeping Hirota guessing. And uh, he dominated an easy easy decision win for him. Yeah, um, the best fight of the night coming into it, I thought would have been been win against Timelia. We discussed it last week, and I think our analysis and it was this was just thrown out the window because of what Ben Wynn did early. Like, looking into this fight, you thought it would be maybe three rounds of Tim Elliott using his size, getting takedowns, getting on top, make, telling him, you know, making his jiu-jitsu superiority tell. But it didn't go that way at all. You know, watching back this fight today, I think it was over in the first two seconds of the fight. Ben Wynn hit him. Yeah, he, but he hit him first with a beautiful switch knee and caught him right on the head and hurt him. Um... Uh, and then he hit him with a head kick after that again. You know, Tim Elliott got close to him, took him down with a, a head and arm throw, something which we see that we actually see a lot in, in women's MMA. And we see we saw it with um with Michelle Watterson where she got the win over Paige Benzant. But here it's unusual to see it in men's MMA and maybe it's, it's something that's gone out of women's MMA as well as you know, as the sport improves. But Tim Elliott took him down with that and Benwin immediately took his back he you know he was able to you know once he was on the ground he was able to squirm his head out took the back put in the hooks and got the choke straight away I think Elliot was still hurt and I think you know if he hadn't been hurt by those shots maybe it wouldn't have gone the same way but as as we said last week with Jose Aldo you know 
just got destroyed in the ground after being hurt. I think it was the same here with with, uh, with Tim Elliott. And fair play to Ben Wayne. He did everything perfectly right in, what, 49 seconds of a fight. Yeah, <clears throat> on the ground, uh, Elliot made some made some very simple mistakes. I think that shows that he was he was rocked and he didn't exactly know what was going on. I think he went for the takedown in order to kind of maybe get on top and clear his head a bit. But Ben Wynn just immediately created a scramble and took his back, as you said, and uh, locked in the choke. And it was it, Ben Wynn is, is he's just he's getting better and better and better. And I think this was a this might be a defining moment for him where he actually. Kind of takes a lot of confidence from this one because it's like as we were saying before the fight, Tim Elliott is is no joke at all. He's big, he's awkward, he's good on the ground, he's tough. He, he, he fights at a high pace, and he he's just he's just an awkward guy to fight against. And I think that was shown in the Demetrius Johnson fight. Um, so yeah, this is a huge win for Ben Nguyen. Like he had some good performances against uh, where where he started very fast, like he did here, but uh, didn't get the finish, and then kind of got a. Got overpowered by by Smolka, who who is bigger than him, and I think Smolka got overpowered by the size of Elliot in their fight. So, um, I think it, it was uh, it, it was just a really really good performance. He just looked he looked fantastic, Ben Win. Yeah, he he looked really really good. Like watching back, remember that fight where he uh, the guy with all the. Um... With all the the tattoos before, where he kind of went viral, he was like pushing him at the way in, and then Ben Wayne went out and knocked him clean out in like fifteen seconds. It was like twenty thousand views on YouTube. Um, it reminded me a little bit of that, and like when you can do that once to someone, where you can go out and just destroy him, you can do it again. Like McGregor before he knocked out Aldo in thirteen seconds, didn't he have like a five second KO and he had early KOs? Look at Johnny Hendricks back in the day; he had loads of early KOs and all. You know that's something which people who who do that, like Verdum, comes out every fight. And you know, throws fucking switchy music, tries to knock lads down. <laughs> well, once you do that once, you can do it again. You know, and I think that's something that going forward, people will have to be looking out for with Ben Win that he's very, very dangerous early in fights. Something as well like Yuri Alcantara. I remember that fight he came out against, or was it? Is it Ildemar? I was going to mix up, but the one that fight, fought Uriah Faber, he came out. You know, nearly beat Uriah Faber in the first thirty seconds. He was fighting a couple of weeks so again. Nearly did the same thing. You know those fighters are very dangerous and I, I definitely think on forward Ben Wynn has to be looked at as one of them who's very very good and very dangerous early yeah, yeah and he's very very dangerous everywhere it's not just on the feet it's on the ground as well so he, he's definitely uh, he's definitely improving fight to fight and he, I think he's definitely one to watch if uh, Dana White doesn't shut down the whole division yeah we, we'll get to that <laughs> don't worry about that yeah but uh very, yeah very impressed with, with him uh another guy i was very impressed with who i, I managed to get about 200 followers on twitter was ion kutilaba who came into his fight with 31 followers and exited with like 250 or something uh <laughs> Enrique de silva he just came out threw a left hook hurt de silva threw another one hurt him again went down the ground held his head and just bashed his head into the canvas and won yeah, before he even the fight even started, he got up on his face while they were announcing him, and <laughs> really got up on his grill and uh, showed a lot of comp- showed a lot of meanness and confidence, and he showed the exact same in the actual fight as well. Uh, he wasn't fucking about; uh, he was there to get a job done. Yeah, a big fan of his style. You know, he's lost a couple. He fought uh, Misha Sorkinov and lost that fight as well. But I've I've always been impre- impressed with him. I think he's a good guy. A little bit small for the weight is the only thing. I think maybe he could you could see him at middleweight in a few years' time. But you know, if he keeps coming out doing what he did there, he has the power to knock guys out. You know, Enrique de Silva is a good fighter as well. I, I rate him highly as well. And you know, as you said, he got in his face. Maybe that's something he's not used to. He he just. 
you know, took it away from him before the had it won before the fight even started, kind of a job. And and um, he definitely took it when it did start. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him next. Um, another one, Dan Hooker against Ross Pearson. This was a, this was an interesting fight. Um, Dan Hooker is something very unusual to be seeing in MMA. Is guys using their lint well? Uh, almost nobody does it. But Dan Hooker, I thought, did it very, very well using the leg kicks, using front kicks to the body. Um, not that much, but a, a couple using his jab well. Ross Pearson was doing well to get inside. Obviously, a lot shorter of a man and a lot more stout. Maybe hits with a little bit more power uh, and was getting in, was landing on Hooker and maybe more in the first round and in the second round. Um, Hooker started, started to kind of pull away a little bit. But you... <laughs> I noticed, and I tweeted at the time, Ross Pearson, he kept bobbing his head in all the time. And that's the thing, to get past the jab and to get inside, he was went for a couple of takedowns, didn't get him, just maybe to change things up rather than actually trying to take the fight to the ground. But uh, like I, I saw it at the time, and I, I tweeted that Hooker should throw the knee, and he did throw the knee, and he knocked Pearson spark out with that knee uh which is something if you fight in that style a little bit like tim elliott against bin win tim elliott always droops his head down from left to right dominic cruz style bin win the first thing he did was time that drooping head need him in it and won the fight from there you know it was the same dan hooker he timed his bob down of his head caught him straight on the jaw and knocked him clean out yeah, I I was actually impressed by Hooker in this one. Like Ross Pearson, he he may not be on on any big win streak, or he may he, you know he's definitely not in. Uh, he's probably past his prime. But uh, Dan Hooker, like he, I think he looks much better at one fifty five than he does at one forty five, and he still has the the reach, as you say. And and he's, I think this is the first time he's really used it with the with the front kicks, the push kicks. Even he even front kicked Ross Pearson in the face at one stage, yeah. and he was using his jab well. Uh, he was just making it difficult for Ross to get inside, and uh, you can see that Ross wanted to get inside and pro hooks. And uh, Hooker was uh, <laughs> Hooker was um, was where was wary of that, and, and uh, kind of made a very made punished Ross Pearson for for trying to step in. And as you say, obviously uh, it was a beautiful knee. He timed it. He timed it brilliantly on on the the head weave and. Uh, it was it's probably the best win of Dan Hooker's career, even though Ross Pearson maybe is is over the hill a bit, but he's uh he's he's improving all the time. Hooker, I think um I think one fifty five is where he should stay. He hasn't he has the size and reach there. He uh, and he doesn't have to kill himself to get down and look look really scrawny as he did at featherweight. So yeah, good performance by Hooker in front of his uh, his home crowd. I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting someone like Will Brooks next or something like that. You know, like that could be a good fight. Um, tough matchup again, I think, for Will Brooks, and I, I didn't really fancy Hooker in that one. I think, as you said, there he's improved a lot and looked good. I picked Ross Pearson coming in, and I think kind of Ross showed why in, in the early stages he was getting in close. But Hooker is showed that he can, you know, reestablish that jab again and keep to a game plan, which which obviously worked for him. Yeah, um, like Hooker, Hooker has a loss to to Maximo Blanco, and um, which which uh, obviously Maximo Blanco isn't isn't a top fighter. But besides that, he has a uh, Yair Rodriguez and Jason Knight. Um, in recent in recent fights, so they're not they're not exactly bad losses, you know. Uh, yeah, Yair, Yair Rodriguez is on an absolute tear. Jason Knight is obviously really coming into his own at the moment. He's making waves, and he, like it's a, it's a big it's a big win for Hooker because if you lose to Ross Pearson, it, you kind of become um, you kind of become like uh, you definitely not a contender. Yeah. yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're kind of like an also ran. Yeah. They're not going to put you in a big spot anytime soon. You're going to have to work your way back up. So it was a very important win for him as well. And uh, yeah, he looks to be improving. So I think I think yeah, I think he'll be much better at 55 than 45, and he should stay there. 
Yeah. The saddest moment of the night, I suppose, came in, in the co-main event when uh, Dan Kelly got sparked out by, by Derek Brunson after, uh, what was it, about 70, 70 seconds of the fight. We, we you know we discussed it last week and this was one of two ways it could have gone you know it was either dan kelly going to be very very defensive keeping brunson at the end of his jab and just ducking all these shots or it was either going to be a, a brunson one punch ko i was talking about it with, with Schwan humes as well who who was writing for severe mail over and over on twitter just before the fight you know and it was one of those i like i thought kelly would might be able to you know put him back a little bit more like he's he's shown relatively good footwork and a good jab and a, an ability to keep a guy on the end of it before but the athleticism power was just too much for him you know he he just couldn't land that jab i know there wasn't much of a fight to, to see but he just couldn't establish anything brunson was moving too quickly moving to the side and to get the knockout he actually he did something i mentioned johnny hendrix earlier i think it was against john fitch he did it where he he hit his lead hand away and then threw his left straight down the middle and knocked out John Fitch. Brunson did something similar. He he threw a double jab. And the first one kind of half landed. And then the second one kind of hit his hand. Which caused Kelly to... It was Kelly's left hand. And it caused Kelly to move over his right hand to protect his chin. Which allowed Brunson to come across with his left hand and have a free shot basically on on Kelly's chin, and he connected and knocked him out with a with a few uh, ground and pound shots and a a good stoppage there got got straight in. But yeah, you know Dan Kelly was on a bit of a roll as well. But it's uh, this was always going to be a, a tough matchup for him if the fight went the way it did, where he couldn't get uh, Brunson on the end of his jab. Dan Kelly usually takes a maybe starts a little bit slowly and kind of takes a little while to to figure out his opponent, and he didn't really have a chance here. Yeah, so another bad card in New Zealand. Let's move on to next week's card, which comes from the Singapore Indoor Arena in Kalangang, Singapore. Um, <laughs> as, I, as, I said at the, as I said at the start of the podcast, not actually a bad card with maybe not a great uh, main event. Let's talk about that main event. First of all, it's Holly, Holly Holm against uh, Betch Cohea in a, a matchup of former, Ron, former Ronda Rousey um, Opponents, obviously, Holly Holm knocked Ronda Rousey out in, in the second round, and Betch Cohea got knocked out by Ronda Rousey in the first round. I suppose this is basically, I, I don't know, could you call it a warm-up fight or a tune-up fight for, for Holly Holm, but I think that kind of is it after yeah. uh, after three losses. Obviously, she lost to Misha Tate, Valentina Shevchenko, and Jermaine Durandamy in her last three, and uh, I, I think it should be pretty easy for Holly Holm. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a nice style matchup for Betch Cohea. is going to come forward, and Holly likes to counter... Um, I think Betsy's going to play right into Holly's game here. Holly, Holly sometimes just comes out and does a lot of nothing, but I think uh, I, I don't really rate Betsy at all, to be honest, uh, uh, in any in any aspect of MMA. So this would have to be a Holly home win. Yeah, I, I agree. Like as you said, there coming forward uh, into Holly home is exactly what she wants. Like Holly home is someone who plays like an extra long range game where she just stands on the outside as, as much as possible, throws a jab that land about four feet in front of your face and not touch you and keep doing that until you break and come in. Like she has, she has no problem playing that game for the whole fight. Um, and Betch Cohea, I'm not sure if she has the, the technical acumen or the game planning you know, to come in and, and beat Holly Holm and that sort of game. All she will do, as you said, go head down, head first in, try to knock Holly Holm out, probably end up catching herself on the end of a load of jabs, getting hurt and finished in, in probably in the second or third round, I would say. Um, 
I, I hard to see any way of Betch winning this. Like a big shot. Does she have the power to knock Holly Holm out? I don't think so. I think Holly Holm is good takedown defense. I don't think Betch is going to take her down. Is her jiu-jitsu a lot better than Holly Holm's? Probably is a little bit better, but I, I don't think it'd be that easy to to submit Holly Holm, even if she does get her down. So, yeah, like I really do see Betch coming in, eating up a lot of jabs, maybe getting a little bit hurt by them and then stepping back a little bit but then she'll have to be forced to come back in again and Holly Holm will will just eat her up um yeah I think Betch is going to probably leave this one bloody and hurt at the end of it yeah yeah exactly I think I think she's going to just rush forward like she did against uh, Ronda Rousey and kind of like Ronda Rousey did against Holly Holm and I think uh I think that's playing right into Holly Holm's game as we're saying so I think yeah this should be a, a easy enough one for Holly Holm I think because it's five rounds she'll probably should probably put Betch away, TKO. Yeah, I agree. The comment event then is uh, Andre Arlovsky against uh, Marcin Tibora. Tibora's on a good run at the moment. Uh, two knockouts in his last two fights over around the last year. He uh, beat Victor, Victor Pesta. Um, yeah, nice and he beat, uh, yeah. yeah, Luis Enrique as well. Uh, Arlovsky is an underdog for this fight, and I suppose, you know, there's, there's a reason for that, you know, gone downhill an awful lot lately four losses in Ross Deepa over in Barnett and Francis Ingenau that heavy knockout in in his last fight you know finishing all those fights after making somewhat of a of a career resurgence Arlovsky's a guy whose chin has gone before and then kind of come back he's been knocked out 10 times in his career it's going to be it's going to be a different difficult one for him you know it's I think always at Arlovsky if he can keep you kind of on the end of his jab as well and if he can you know, if he can be faster than you, he always has a good chance of winning. But if he gets caught, it's going to be very difficult. I'm, not, you know, I wouldn't rule Arlovsky out of this fight totally, but yeah. I probably fancy uh, Tybura to catch him and knock him out. Yeah, it's um, like Arlovsky's been fighting much more known quantities or kind of higher caliber guys, uh, Stipe, Overeem, Josh Barnett, Francis Ngannou. Like he hasn't had he hasn't had it easy in his in his four fight skid, and. Uh, Maybe if if Tybura had to fought them, uh, those four fighters, he might end up with four losses as well. So, uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't rule Arlovsky out. He's got big power. It's heavyweight where one punch can really change any, everything very quickly. But, uh, as you say, he does seem to be chinny, uh, Arlovsky. But, yeah, we've, as, you, as you say as well, we've seen before people, if, 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 they, uh, if they give themselves a... A decent rest of the chin, maybe they can come back. But he, he hasn't really. He's only given it, what? Four or five months since Ngannou ran through him, so mm -hmm. I don't think his chin will, will have enough time to uh, to recover here, and I think uh, that's going to cost him. Yeah, um, or heavyweight. So who the fuck knows? Yeah. <laughs> on the best fights in this card is uh, Dong Young Kim against uh, Colby Covington. I suppose Dong Young Kim, one of the most exciting fighters. You know, people love watching him. A lot of finishes on his record. A lot of big throws. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. And Colby Covington, one of the most boring fighters in the UFC. Takedown. You know, few few submissions on his record. And a lot of decisions. You know. Um, and a bit of a dickhead as well, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, to be honest, I fancy Colby Covington here. Whatever you say about him, as a person, he's a very, very good fighter. I think his takedowns are extremely good. But you know, Dong well, Kim as well. Yeah, you you would know Dong Kim. You know, he's those judo hips as well, and he could could stop a few uh, a few of those takedowns. So you know, it's an interesting fight. But I think I would fancy Colby Covington over over the three rounds to win the decision. I actually think uh, Dong Young Kim will get this done. Uh, I think Covington, obviously, you say his wrestling is very good. He's relentless, but 
you're kind of the grappling is kind of playing into Dong Young Kim's game as well, and he's 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 fought better competition and beaten better competition than Covington. Like Tarek Safadine's very good, and uh, maybe Josh Josh Burkham's a bit over the hill, but John Hathaway was a good fighter. Eric Silva, uh, Sayar, Paulo Tiago. Like he has some he has some good wins. His loss against Damian Maya was an injury loss as well. So yeah, I'd lean towards um, here, but I wouldn't be all that surprised if Kobe Covington just relentless with his wrestling and maybe uh maybe eeks out of the decision but i think dong young kim is going to be able to make him work and make him work really hard for all the takedowns and i don't think he's going to have it his own, all his own way and i think i think dong young kim is going to win this yeah hopefully i've put the cooler on kobe covington there and hopefully uh, dong young kim <laughs> that'd be great um i wonder if people realize why i'm saying all this did i no probably not no, well, maybe. Well, I sh- should I explain? When he was when Carl Pinder was in the UFC, um, Colby Covington was trying to call him out and stuff, and he said he was going to bury Carl Pinder like the English buried the Irish. So yeah, that that's why I hit him, and he's a prick. So there nice you go. <laughs> Uh, Jesus. Um, there's there's some uh, unbiased journalism there, but like that, you have to you have to say what's what's true about it as well. He's, you know, that's just him. Fair enough. Uh, Tarek Safadine against Rafael dos Anjos. Good, good fight. I like. I like. This yeah, this fight. is this is very interesting. It's, it's very interesting to see how Ordier will look. He's not going to be. He's not going to be a big welterweight at all. Um, Tarek Safadine is quite a big welterweight. Um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Ordier has been out for a while as well. New weight class. Bit of bit of a layoff against a guy who's who's a really good striker, but it doesn't really. Tarek Safadine doesn't commit to most, most. He's happy to, to land his kicks and his punches just to sc- score points and try to try to eke out a decision. He doesn't. I'm actually going to go. I think I'm going to go with Safadine in this one. To be honest, I think there's too many variables for for Ordia here uh, up away class. He's not. He's not the biggest. Like he's 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 a big enough lightweight, but he's he's not. He, like you wouldn't be saying, oh, he's he's going to got him above the welterweight, and um. I think Safadine's gonna use his use his uh, uh, technical superior striking and pick him apart, pick him apart at times and uh, frustrate him a bit and probably win a close decision on on the feet. Yeah, I, I find this one tough enough to decide. Um, Safadine wins most of his fights by decision. He's ten decision wins out of sixteen career wins. Only won once by knockout. Only lost once by knockout. You know, lost five times by decision as well out of six losses in his career. <laughs> looking at that it's probably going to go to a decision and if it does go to a decision who's the favor i'd probably agree with you i think it, it favors safadine uh, i think he's technically a lot better on the feet but i think rda has a lot more power now saying that um i have to be careful about this rda has fallen off a cliff a little bit over the last uh, year or so but usually when people fall off a cliff after losing their championship like that <coughs> they it usually takes them about a year or 18 months to um regain their former powers uh so this could be the fight where rda comes back you know comes in looking his old beastly self again and uh you know puts on puts on a good show and, and knocks a guy out like he has big big knockout power that leaping left hook that he throws you know very very good you saw him hurting donald cerrone with it you saw him um i think it was Vincent henderson as well it was yeah he knocked out Vincent henderson with it you know he, he beat anthony pettisnate he has a lot of good wins on, on his record so he definitely has it in him but you know lost to uh lost to eddie alvarez had a tough tough fight over five rounds with tony ferguson where he took a lot of damage as well um but as you say 
you know, how long has he been out now? Seven, seven, eight months. Um, yeah. And I could have put a lot of work in, and uh, you know, you know, guys, Safadine has been knocked out once by Ronnie McDonald TKO, and that was kind of a, an accumulation more than anything of a jab. Ronnie McDonald kind of jabbed him up, and it was kind of a mercy stoppage as well. He's uh, he's never been really knocked clean, spark out, uh, and for Dasanios to be the first one to do it, as you say, I wait. You know, Dasanios was the 155 pound champion now fighting at 170 to go up and do that to Safadine. Going to be difficult. I wouldn't put it past him, but yeah, I think uh, I lean with Safadine as well. Yeah, I think so. I think the size is going to be is going to be. Uh factor here and i think that the superior technical striking and the the patience that safadine is always willing to show and he's a he's a real tri-star fighter he's 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 gonna he's gonna just uh, be very technical about it on the on the feet and he's not gonna he's not gonna do anything stupid um most of the time anyway and as you say his his, his losses are to, to guys like Warren mcdonald and close decision losses to uh other top guys like don young kim and rick story as well so I think it was a split decision against Dong Young Kim as well. So he's 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 uh he's in very very competitive fights all the time um, with the kind of just below upper echelon guys of, of the welterweight division. Obviously, Roy McDonald kind of picked him apart as you said with with his striking. But besides that, and Roy McDonald's obviously a top a top level guy. Besides that, he's 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 been very very competitive in the division against the the second tier. And I think uh, I think this is a big. This is a big debut for, or a big, uh, ta- a big task for a debut at a welterweight for RDA. It's coming off two losses at, at lightweight. Yeah, um, your boy Takanori Gomi, the former uh, Pride lightweight champion, is also back here against against John Tuck. Three TKO, first round TKO losses in his last three fights for Gomi after going what was it 40, 45, 46 fights in his career without one. Um, so he's another guy that's you know well past his prime at this stage john tuck though isn't the best fighter in the world you know we saw him against uh against norman park park won that fight easily unanimous decision lost his last couple as well um this it's gonna be a tough one I, i'm not sure if tuck has the power to knock gomi out um i could see gomi taking him down maybe getting a submission or something like that or you know tuck tuck could lay on top of him and win a, win a fight that way as well I, I don't know. I find it hard to know which way this one go. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard to pick Gomi after he's been knocked out in the first round three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Guys who weren't really known for knocking people out, like uh, Miles Jury, Joe Lozon, and Jim Miller. They're not really they're, they're not really knockout guys. So I think maybe uh, the the years of years of gym fights and professional fights <laughs> have finally caught up with Gomi. But as you say, Tuck isn't exactly great striker and he doesn't really he doesn't really have power and he, he hasn't really been fighting the level of competition that Gomi's fought over the years but I think just I think just Gomi's just too shop worn at this stage I think I think maybe Tuck might land something not all that powerful and might put might put Gomi in trouble and might be the beginning of the end so I think I think Tuck will win here but um yeah I wouldn't be too confident in the pick even though even though Gomi's coming off three first round KO losses yeah um, Walt Harris fighting Sir Lasker as well in that one. Walt Harris beat my boy Chase Sherman in the last fight. That probably be, as with all heavyweight fights like that, either a first round knockout or three rounds of sweating. So looking <laughs> Alex Caceres is back. Could see some hands on the hips again. <laughs> Alex Caceres back. Justin Scoggins against Ulka Sasaki. I'm looking forward to that. I was like seeing Justin Scoggins, wonder by type of fighter. Uh, Lee Zhang Liang is back as well fighting Russell Dawn against Quang Ho Quack. That's a good one as well. You. I know you're a fan of uh, Quang, are you? 
Um, not particularly. No, <laughs> he's like a knockout artist. My man, my boy, grab back a hitman, and uh, Ryan O'Connor as well. were big on uh, when he came into his into the OC. Brett Jones just wrestled the crap out of him, though, didn't he? Uh, but sure, these things, happen. these things happen in MMA. You know, yeah. Was, Russell Dawn, what? Russell Dawn, how, does he wrestle as I can't really remember? He lost him inside back. He lost four in a row now. Jesus, Russell Dawn. So, yeah, maybe this is a good style matchup for uh, for uh, Quang. Not sure. Yeah, yeah, I think this is, I think they're probably trying to trying to give him a win here. Uh, it's it's hard to know though uh, when you come up out to the UFC from from fighting in all over the world and Japan and top FC and it's it's a different kettle of fish. Like and uh, I think Brett Johns showed that uh, he needs to work on his, his takedown defense and getting back to his feet. So maybe he has worked on that. He's I think he's young as well. So. Uh, Oh, he's not that young, is he? He's 27, I think, according to topology here. So younger than me. Not old anyway, and he's young in the game. Uh, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to lean with uh, Lee McQuan, but it's, it's, it's really hard to notice. Just, I haven't seen that much tape on him. I've just, I've, I've only seen him uh, getting dominated by Brett Johns. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, right, let's let's move on. To that card should be bad. Let's we'll talk about it again next week. Is next Bruce week Lee is still on the card, is he? Is I, that um, on? Wikipedia tells me he is anyway. I'm not sure. It was it supposed to be? I think it was. I think Bruce Lee was supposed to be on the card, but maybe he got pulled. I, he's on it in Wikipedia anyway, but I don't know. Follow oh, follow him on Twitter at Severe Made to See. Uh, right, let's move on to Mighty Mouse. And the situation, which has changed an awful lot since we spoke about it last week, I think, or maybe it was a week before. Um, at that time, like the situation for me was, Mighty Mouse was offered a fight against TJ Dillashaw, a big fight, and I presumed, and I think most people presumed, TJ Dillashaw, better opponent coming down. He's going to be getting more money. Maybe he'll be on a pay per view. He'll get pay per view points. It's a win win. You know, that's a fight that can, it won't sell that much. Let's be honest here. And I think a lot of people think everyone can be Conor McGregor or everyone can sell, but not everyone can sell. But if it's on a pay per view with someone else, you know, it could sell a few more pay per views and he could make a little bit of money out of it. That was my thinking. I think that was the same as yours. And I think we both agree that would, that would be a good fight. But in the last week, he went on the MMA, or I think it was obviously last Monday, and he uh, released a statement to uh, MMA Fighting as well about how he'd been treated by the UFC, basically saying that the matchmaker, Mick Maynard, had come to him, offered him the Ray Borg fight. He thought Sergio Pettis might be a better, more marketable guy that could get his name out there better. He went back, Mick went back to Dana, said it was Ray Borg. He agreed to that, signed the papers. Then they came back after, obviously, Cody Garbrandt got injured, who was supposed to fight TJ Dillashaw, said that Demetrius should be fighting TJ Dillashaw. Uh, Demetrius said, I'll fight TJ Dillashaw if... I'm not sure if he, he... He said if he misses weight, because obviously he's coming down from the weight class above, he wanted his own um, show money and TJ Dillashaw's as well, which Dana White obviously did not agree to... Mm. Um, so just uh, those other things as well about no future pay for you points talking about closing down the UFC flyweight division just look really really bad on Dana White then Dana White came out and said in an interview that Conor McGregor was pound for pound number one even though two months earlier he'd said Dimitri Johnson has a case to be the all time great said he said he's been thinking for the last two or three years about closing down the flyweight division just being an you know all around uh, unreasonable and just treating his pound for pound best fighter in the world like crap yeah i think um 
I think I think DJ is is mainly right in what he's saying, but I think uh, Todd Martin made some some good points. Uh, he was uh, he was on press row with Jordan Breen on Sherdog, uh, a podcast, and he was saying he was kind of giving the other side of it. And he was saying that uh, Ray Borg has missed miss weight, and TJ's never missed weight in his whole career, and DJ's kind of being unreasonable by by asking for that. And 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 he was saying that if it's all about the rankings, then why was he pushing for Sergio Pettis ahead of Ray? Forge, as he says. Uh, so there was a few things in there that that didn't didn't really make that didn't really uh, I didn't I don't think added to DJ's argument. If anything, they took away a little bit from his argument that he should have just left out. But he, his overall argument is, in my opinion, uh, I agree with him that uh, you can like this guy is. I don't I don't agree with what DJ said about oh they 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 haven't promoted them at all. They have promoted them like they've they put them on Fox cars. They put them on as as a main event. Uh, on on a card with Conor McGregor, they they they've kept him as the as the main event, even though there might be a bigger fight as the co-main event to respect the championship belt. They nearly always do. So I don't think he, he's fully he's fully right, but I agree with most of what he's saying, and I think uh, it's very petty of Dana to be like saying, "Oh, if you don't take this fight, I'll close down the division and and, and all that stuff." It's just it's just stupid stuff, stuff like you know, uh, but. Uh, Dana really DFC WMEING they have the power really it's not it's like there's nobody uh policing them so they can just do whatever the fuck they want really and you got to just deal with it yeah when they sign look, the contract like you know I uh, I agree with you in one sense that look Dana White's definitely been very pig-headed about it and coming out saying things that he's no need to say I think the, I agree with you as well Dimitri Johnson is right in about 90% of what he says it, the marketing thing, I don't really get. Um, look, I, I agree. The way the fight has been treated, the way he's been offered, lads, and then he's offered TJ Dillashaw for no more money. No, no, why should he take that? I don't think he should. If he's offered more money, fair enough. And I think he did say that. If he was offered more money, he'd take that. So that's that issue. The whole marketing thing, like, uh, just putting him in a main event or just putting him on a Conor McGregor card isn't good enough marketing, to be honest. And what Conor McGregor card was that? Who was McGregor fighting on that card? Yeah, uh, Yeah, we'll see. Like McGregor wasn't what he is today in that. So, you know, he was he was big but not huge. But, but they put Donald they put Donald Cerrone against uh, Eddie Alvarez, who was Bellator champion. Like they they built a good card under him. It's not as if they've just like cut him off and put him on the worst cards ever. No, he was meant to be. Yeah, that's true. He was meant to be on the co-main event behind Jones and DC, I think, and that fell apart as well. So. It isn't all the UFC's fault that he hasn't been he hasn't been um, in the best spots or he hasn't sold all the pay per views. Like they'd obviously prefer to sell more pay per views if if it was as easy as some people make it out to be. Like Demetrius Johnson isn't exactly like you know he he'll win really impressively and he go on the mic and he, he he'll he won't say anything that interesting and he won't make any headlines and like he does have himself to blame a bit as well as well. Like it's not just the UFC who are not promoting him. Like people seem to think that oh. Uh, Conor McGregor got pushed from the US even day one. Conor, like, and other people like this, uh, with his, the Ream documentary series, like, people make it happen for themselves where they get fans interested in them and by themselves before they even get to the UFC. Like, Overeem wasn't even in the UFC when he was doing, when he started the Ream. He was in Strike Force and people were behind him. And you got, you got to make it happen for yourself as well. You can't just sit around waiting for the UFC to, to make you a huge star. Yeah. From my point of view, people. <laughs> There's a lot of this thing where there's a. I need some midget as well. Let's be honest. Like people, that, <laughs> casual fan, casual fans just think, "Oh, here's a midget." Like that's what they think. 
people like oh, people, my friends would be like oh this is gonna go five rounds with these with these small guys yeah. these midgets like that's what that's what the thinking is like there's a thought though as well from the UFC that he's not marketable and then there's a thought from like the MMA media and other people like that hardcore fans that he is marketable because he plays games he's a big following on Twitch and he's a fun guy you know good interview you know nice guy best fighter to ever fight in the UFC <laughs> and for me the reality lies closer to the UFC I think like this whole gaming thing it, there's a huge gaming fan base and stuff but the, and there's a big overlap as well but I, I still don't think that I think it's more of a sporting overlap you know it, as we said last week you know if there's a Demetrius Johnson card is 300,000 and a McGregor card is 1.3 million there's a million difference between the, that who are the people you know tuning in to see that those are casual fans those are sports fans those are people watching sports center in in america who see conor mcgregor throwing a can of monster at nate diaz like that those are the people that are coming in there where's dimitri shanson getting them from you know he's not getting them from twitch those people on twitch are probably already coming in watching his fights like you know it's not going to make that much of a big difference what like and a lot of people a lot, uh, sorry a lot of people don't talk about uh how easy it is to get a good quality illegal stream for a pay-per-view like maybe these people on Twitch who are following Demetrius Johnson, they, they like Demetrius Johnson, but are they willing to pay sixty quid for a pay per view? Maybe they're just willing to stream it for free. Yeah, that's true. And like a lot of these as well, like oh, we'll we'll come around to the house, we'll we'll watch this fight, and and you know we'll get together to watch these big fights. Is Demetrius Johnson ever on a car that's going like that? You know, that's I'll stay in the Saturday and not go out and watch it. Like this, there are certain fights, you know, like the Anthony Joshua Klitschko fight. I bought that on pay-per-view because I didn't want to be working with a fucking stream. It could fall down. You're going to miss it or something like there's fights like that, that you kind of have to buy. And there's other fights in like, uh, yeah, that's not yeah, great. If you have six, six of your mates coming over, it, it turns from over here. It's what's 20 quid for a pay-per-view. So it turns yeah. from 20 quid to three quid. Or if you have five or six mates in America, it turns mm -hmm. from 60 quid to 10 quid. And it's hard to get six uh, non-hardcore fans together excited about a Demetrius Johnson versus anybody uh, in the 20, 125 pound division that interested they don't want to they want to go out to town and or watch whatever else is on they're just not that interested like conor mcgregor yeah you can get mates together brock lesnar maybe george st pierre in the past but there's very few of them like even john jones like doesn't do well on pay-per-view to, to rousey connor people like that so uh yeah it's tough to sell pay-per-views like and me Johnson isn't doing it like and the UFC are, would, would obviously love him to sell more pay-per-views because they're gonna they're the ones making the bulk of the money on on him selling pay-per-views yeah and there's two more things just on that right he, he's complaining about the UFC not pushing him to become a draw there and there's two things right winning is not enough to become a draw right if there's a school thought, go in, beat TJ Dillashaw, and then you become a good fighter. No, that's not going to happen. You know, if he goes in, beats TJ Dillashaw, moves up, beats Cody Garbrandt, beats Dominic Cruz, he's still not going to be a draw. He People will love him. I will think he's the best fighter ever. I think he's the best fighter ever at the moment, but he's still not going to be a draw because none of those fights are going to be big. There's no going to be no big build-up going into them. People are, you know, a build-up caused by him, like a big press conference, him putting out video blogs that are going to reach lots of people, you know, like the embedded, like the embedded are with him in it are not going to sell as much as are not be viewed as much as ones say if it's McGregor or Diaz or Lesnar or GSP or Rousey. It's just the reality of it. Like, and you, the second point is, 
or first point winning is not enough the second point is you cannot force it it has to be natural it's the only way look at every fighter dressing up like Conor. look at kevin lee the state of him in the press conference <laughs> like you can't people see through it it's so see-through you know you yeah. have to be a rousey who's the first woman to, to ever fight in the ufc who single-handedly brought uh women's mma into the ufc you have to be mcgregor who came from a gym that no one ever heard of you know, just fucked and blinded his way to the top, beat Jose Aldo on 13 seconds. How many pay-per-views did that have? Like, less than a million anyway. And his last one, how many had the biggest selling pay-per-view of all time? He grew because of that. You know, he was talking, he went down the MMA, or he did the documentary, The Severe Medid, on RTE, which went on to Fight Bass, which was on Fox, all these big things, you know, that, and, you know, these are things that happen all happen naturally that he, okay he forced yeah. and people work with him forced but demetrius johnson hasn't done that he's been fighting for years and years and years and nothing has ever happened and it's not just going to happen it's not magic yeah well i think ariel awani said something interesting uh i think it was on um either the mav or the mma or he said that a lot of the time demetrius would say would say things to him uh behind the scenes and ariel would be like oh do yeah. you want to come on and say this and he'd be like oh no i'm not that kind of guy well, if you're not willing to kind of put yourself out there, you know, he's he's not willing to, to say how he really feels because he doesn't want to upset anybody. And then you have on the other side of it, you have Conor McGregor, you know, he, he before he's even in the UFC, he let us follow him around, we, we uh, filming him for the documentary that we didn't even have a TV deal for. Like, you know, he took a chance, like he takes, he, he, like, it's obviously, you have to open up yourself and you may be ridiculed or you may, people may love you, but you don't really know until you do it as well. Conor put himself out there and made it happen, like, you got to make it happen for yourself like nobody's going to do it for you if, if they see you doing it for yourself they will join in and help you yeah. but if they don't see you doing it for yourself they're not going to just manufacture it because as you say nobody's going to believe it as well because people can see true dishonesty like people don't like cormier's fake character people didn't like john jones and he pretended to be a, a big god worshiping uh nice guy and all that stuff now that he's now that he's talking uh, I beat you after a weekend of coke, and people love that stuff because he's being real, and, and they know that's the real John Jones. Yeah, like even in a smaller look at Chase Sherman when he's doing like sending gifts to people. Like Ariel's always replying to him. People, loads of people following him, people retweeting, people like him. Pat Barry used to do it back in the day. Like even lads like Tito Ortiz used to go on the fucking UG and talk to people all the time. Like that's what Dana White did as well to build him. His Demetrius Johnson, okay, yeah. he has Sean he has McCorkle. Sean McCorkle yeah. went on the underground and got himself a fight with Mark Hunt in the UFC, which he won. Mm -hmm. just from, from self-promotion like it, it can be done easily like the fans on reddit on the mma underground on shirt dog forums on twitter on facebook they all love when fighters interact with them and go and do that like demetrius johnson's doing that a little bit with the twitch thing but it's kind of not really it's not really mma related like it no. obviously there's some mma fans going over but i'd say a lot of them are people who maybe following them aren't mma fans like, and aren't willing to pay 60 quid for a pay-per-view or I really believe the demographic of MMA is a lot more sports orientated than anything else. You know, we, there's maybe a, a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, an echo chamber on Twitter and stuff where it's kind of, you know, you see a lot of people who'd be on computers just all the yeah. time tweeting and stuff. It's a bubble, like that. But... Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. And maybe, but as I said, like those extra million fans, they are casual sports fans. They are people like working nine to five who'll fucking watch Liverpool and Man United at the weekend, who'll watch, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or whatever over in America and, and you know, and tune into the big fight. That's what's happening. Like, and the, the fact of the matter is Demetri Johnson is just not the big fight. And that's, it's just the reality of it. There's no point in us coming out here saying, you know, 
that he's a great fighter, he should be pushed, he should be bigger. It's not going to make a difference, you know. They pu- if they push him, the, the UFC's point of view is this: we push Demetrius Johnson, it's going to make us lose money, and that's more than likely true. So, like, can you criticize him for not doing it? You know, I think it's I I honestly think it's tough to do that, but um. It's in a shitty. It's you. You can't blame Demetrius Johnson either for being mad. You know he's in a really shitty position. Yeah. But the the one thing as well, which we I think we should finish on is he's in the shitty position, but he doesn't have to be treated like shit either. You know they if they want to give him a, a tougher fight against a guy from the weight class above, they should give him pay per view points. They should give him more money. You know that that's it's going to be a bigger fight. It might only be a tiny incremental jump, but that will make more money. And he should get. Well, if, if TJ if, if if TJ is going to move down to one twenty five, then it's just the same contract that DJ signed to fight flyweights, and he, he why would the UFC just give him extra money for no reason? Like from their point of view, when they don't contractually have to. But like, it's grand fighting someone like Ray Barge or uh, you know Chris Carriasso <laughs> or one of them for no pay per view points and stuff. But if you're coming in and you're fighting TJ Dillashaw, like you should you should be looking for money if, more money if it's a harder fight. That's the reality of yeah. it. Like. Well, Dana's, Dana's point on that was like you know when you negotiated this contract, you didn't want pay per view points. You wanted the money up front, and that's what we gave you. You asked for this. Maybe that maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Like it's hard to believe everything Dana says, but if that's true, then you kind of you kind of see like you have to see both sides. But people kind of either take one side or the other, and just kind of either Demetrius Johnson's an idiot or the UFC are idiots. Like you know, but it's there's definitely some in between there. Yeah, like. See, Demetrius did, did himself no favors as well by throwing out, uh, you know, as um, what's the chap's name again? That was on uh, Shardog. Todd Martin. Todd Martin, yeah. You know, by bringing up all the whole, you know, by the whole promotion and stuff and him not looking good. Like in certain aspects of it, he didn't look good. And I think that's reality. A lot of people told him to fuck off and stuff. But that is the reality of what happened. He did look bad in certain things. But I think the UFC looked even worse. That's why I think people got mad. You know, <laughs> you you can't like i think there's there's a wide point about there's two points to this there's a point about the whole marketing thing i think where you have to look at the reality a reality of it in this you know the circumstances we have at the moment you know where people make big money in mma and then you have to look at it where guys like Demetrius johnson who are the best in the world are guys like whoever Cerrone, eddie alvarez and all the other guys they're not making enough money just straight up not making enough money, no matter how much they draw. All these, it's on Fox. The fucking Nissan sponsor them in, in the cage. They have Reebok. They have, you know, Burger King, Bud Light. And they're, you know, they're making 10 grand a fight. Uh, some yeah. of the lower down guys. But what's Demetrius Johnson making? 150 grand a fight. Like, that's that's absolutely terrible for a champion in the UFC. Like, uh, they should be waking, making way, way more money. And Demetrius Johnson included, like. Yeah, but from the UFC's perspective as well, uh, if you, like you know Nate Diaz has always been moaning about he's not promoted and all this stuff and he's not respected. The money, if the UFC were to put a few hundred grand into promoting a fighter, I doubt the the first one they'd be thinking of promoting is Demetrius Johnson. You know, yeah. there's other people ahead of him who have done a better job of promoting themselves. That the UFC would say, well, if we give this guy uh, something to go with, he'll pick it up and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they seem reluctant to do that with Nate Diaz, but. You know, if they were to throw a few hundred thousand into it, I think I don't think Demetrius Johnson would be at the top of their list. So I don't, like it's a, it's a tough one because you can see how he's been frustrated. He's like, I'm about to be the most successful champion you've ever had here. If I, I'm already the joint most successful champion you've ever had, so he he wants some respect. And then Dana White is being 
childish if he did say, oh, you know, I'm going to, if what Dimitri Johnson said about he's going to close down the division and he's saying, oh, you're going to ruin TJ's fight for TJ. It's all about TJ or whatever. You see how that would really piss you off as as yeah. this really kind of company man for the lads. Like, oh, you need a new main event. I'll fight, fight whoever in the main event. Yeah, no problem. And so you can see it from you can see it from Demetrius Johnson side. And I'd, I'd side more Demetrius Johnson than the UFC on this one by a good bit. But it's definitely not as black and white as as people seem to be making out. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's a hundred percent correct. Like, you know you. Those points you made there, the point about them changing around his opponent on him, the fact as well, which has irked me a, a lot, is they said they put uh, Barge on the card <laughs> if TJ Dillashaw missed weight and he could fight him. Even though, as you said, Barge hasn't... <laughs> I'm just going to keep going to Barge. Barge has missed weight before. And D- D- Demetri Johnson came back like, okay, TJ Dillashaw misses weight. Then I'm... I have uh, 24 hours to prepare for another guy who I wasn't supposed to fight. Like, he's, this is not amateur hour. Like, this is a professional fight for the belt, for the record number of uh, of title defenses. And I'm fighting 24 hours against a guy I wasn't supposed to be fighting against. Like, what's what's that about? And from that point of view, I can, I can definitely see it as well. Like, Ray Borg is not an easy fight. You know, he's a good fighter. It's not like John Jones turn around with 10 days or two weeks to fight Chelsea and an easy fight for him. Like, you know... It's a different, it's a different kettle of fish from that as well. And uh, like I think we uh, all expect Demetrius to beat Ray Borg, but he's a good fighter yeah. as well. Like, and, from the UFC yeah. side of it though, as well, like uh, having a replacement so you don't your whole card doesn't fall apart and you end up with a main event that nobody wants to buy. Like having somebody like I think when they have this John Jones Daniel Cormier fight, they're gonna have Jimmy Manoa on on standby on the card. Yeah, and he's gonna step in so from the UFC that they don't want to lose their main event, they don't want to lose their championship fight from their from their car that they're trying to sell on pay-per-view, like. Yeah. So you can see it from both sides, like. Yeah, but, like, it's grand doing that if you if you have it last minute, like, and if you need to change last minute, if everyone's accepting it. But planning it from this far out for Demetrius Johnson, because this guy's moving down away, like, if Cormier, like, we, I think we all agree that Cormier and Jones is the fight to make. You know, Jones used to be champion. He won the interim belt, went yeah. back. You know, he deserves the title shot. Whereas Demetrius Johnson's looking at it as if, like, TJ Dillashaw has never fought at 125. I'm here. I've paved my way by beating all contenders that come in front of me. And this guy is skipping the line. And you're putting a replacement in who I might only have a day to to uh, prepare for. And he's the guy I should be fighting anyway. He's looking at this like it's, you know, it's, it's fucking mountains instead of molehills kind of a job. Like, but, yeah, it's, like uh, for Demetrius Demetrius Johnson it is they put him in uh, like for a guy as you said who's been such a company man and who has sat back and taken all this I think it's just got too much for him and I have you know know, I have huge sympathies for him in as I said 90% of what has happened I think the UFC should just pay him more money if they want him to fight TJ Dillashaw and if they don't refuse the fight you can do that take Ray Borg you know take the next fight if you want to fight Pettis wait out for Pettis and take that fight Uh, you know I think he's dead right you know, but if the if you know, I I think Demetri Shanson's kind of in the same thought as me. If he gets more money, he'll fight him. If he doesn't, he won't. And I think that's fair enough. You you know, you have to look after your business as well. And if the the thing about it is, if he a little bit like the whole Nate Diaz thing, if Nate Diaz had back then, you know, fought Eddie Alvarez and taken a little, you know, less money to fight Eddie Alvarez, maybe he wouldn't have got the McGregor fight, you know, or maybe he would have got paid less for future fights. Like if Demetrius Johnson goes in here and takes TJ Dillashaw on the same pay he gets for Ray Borg, 
maybe didn't they fight Cody Garbrandt down the line and he won't get the same amount of money. But if he gets more money for this one, maybe he'll get even more money for the Cody Garbrandt fight. You know, if that happens, it'll make it even bigger then. You know, so I think that's I think it's smart business really by by uh Dimitri yeah. His manager should have I think I think it was the MMA beat with Lou Thomas and Ariel and they were saying that it, the manager should have clauses in contracts for for things like this, like if if an opponent falls out and you have a replacement, then you get paid more, or like just whatever, whatever it is you want to, uh, in the contract. If if something changes unexpectedly, you have it in the contract that if that happens, you get more money, or you get you get whatever. Like just put it in the contract when you're negotiating the contract, so then you don't have to rely on the UFC to change the contract for you, which they very rarely do. Yeah, I agree on, on that 100. But um, I, sp- I suppose we'll uh, we'll move off of that. We'll move on to the it's good promotion for DJ though. He's getting he's getting a good bit of talk out of this anyway. <laughs> he is, yeah. As someone said on, on Twitter, it's the best promotion DJ's ever got in, you know, that he's ever made for himself. And let's be honest, that's what he did. You know, he came out and he said it to Ariel, as you said earlier. You know, Ariel mentioned that he said these things, you know, behind closed doors. And uh he never said them. You know, he, he never said him out loud, but now he said him out loud and suddenly he's got more promotion than he's ever got and people picked up on it and people talked about it. There you go. Like, it's, you know. So, yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, it might work out better for him, but um, you never know. The, the, the division might be closed on. That's another just petty thing about uh, talking about closing down the division. All. It's just just terrible behavior by the UFC. Just awful. Right, yeah, let's get down to 45 division first. Worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the women's 145, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. We have a question here on um, on uh, email. Actually, you can email us our questions as well if you're if you're not on Twitter or whatever. You can severe uh, podcast at gmail.com. You can see them over there. This one is from D William. Uh, highlights. I've been listening to Pod for about a year and was just wondering who wins the following fights. Okay, Graham, I'll throw them at you. Holloway versus Garbrandt. Say again. Holloway versus Garbrandt. Holloway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Almeida versus Korean Superboy. I like that. Mm. Almeida. Do you? I think I think the Korean Superboy might have too much power for him, and he'd be able I to think take. He's so Almeida bad on the ground, though, as well. So it's the Korean Superboy that uh, Almeida could take it there if he needed to. I don't know, maybe Jeremy Stevens against John Inegar. There's a big size difference in that one. Oof. Um. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Probably Jeremy Stevens just due to the size, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> really? Ah, oh, Jesus, no. Have, and it's Dara Williams as well, that, that uh, chap's name. Thanks, Dara, for the question. Uh, okay. Mr. Podge asks about Jimmy Manoa fighting. Um, Jimmy Manoa said on Ariel's show at the weekend that if he beats Volkan Ozdemir, that the UFC have promised him a title shot. Mr. Podge asks, <laughs> what are the odds he actually gets the title shot? <laughs> a promised title shot like what well, doesn't mean anything i'd rate uh, it maybe 10 percent. like gustafson's definitely going to get the next title shot yeah um yeah i don't think uh i don't think jim manos getting the next title shot unless gus gets injured T- think about it this way right if if jones wins Jones and Gustafsson makes sense. Jones wants to fight Gustafsson again. You know, it was one of the best fights ever. That that sells. You know, that's a that's a big fight. If Carmia wins, okay, he might have a better shot because there's beef with Carmia. You know, Carmia is calling him Mister Cheeseburger and stuff like that. That's there. But if Carmia wins, Jones and Carmia are going to be one one win apiece, and that's obviously going to go to a trilogy. So yeah, and the Gustafsson DC fight was it was a split decision that you could run that back as well. And 
I think Gustafsson's in a much better position than Jimmy Manuel. And Jimmy Manuel got beaten easily by Gustafsson as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Nick, Ilya, friend of the podcast, Ina, thanks for your question. Out of all the current champions, who do you think would have the best chance of making 10 successful title defenses? Interesting question. DJ. Uh, right, let's... Well, DJ's already, already done it, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Cody Gar- let's go Drew him. Cody Garbrandt, do you think he could do it? Yeah, um, he could, but I don't think he will. Uh, yeah, if he beats TJ, I could see him doing it, you know what? But I don't think he will either. Injuries as well like this are a big thing, and especially back injuries, which he has. Uh, Max Holloway, he's already won 11. Yeah, Holloway could do, he, he could do it if he stays at a, a featherweight, um, but I don't think he will. His interesting ten in a row was very, very rare. Yeah, very hard to fit away at, well at the top, that. at the very top. There's lads coming. Mirza Bektic is coming for that title. Um, I think about Holloway as well, which I saw a couple of people mention last week, and I, I was thinking of it as well, but it was after the podcast. He's been fighting for a long time, you know, and he might be only, what is he, 20, 26, 27? He's uh, probably like 35 in fighting years. He's been fight- fighting for so long. And uh, like, as I say, 11 fights in a row, one lost a few before that last to McGregor, lost to He's a lot of fights in his back pocket, a little bit like, um, oh God, what's his name now? He, he, I can't think of his name. His father was mean, uh, Jordan Mean. Remember, Jordan he retired, mean, yeah. went away for a while. He was only like 25 and he had like 40 fights by him and stuff. Like Holloway, Holloway will go downhill, you know, earlier than than he should. You know, by the time he's 29, 30, you could see it. Look at Wayne Rooney. Like, you know, when you're playing since you're 16, you're obviously, look at Mike Lowen, you're going to you're gonna go down further. There's only so many miles in the legs. And Max Holloway yeah. could be that way too. I think it's um, a Joanna though is the obvious one that yeah if she stayed at one fifty five or one fifteen she she's probably she's probably already halfway there so mm, yeah, I agree McGregor de- definitely not going to do it Tyron Woodley uh, no he's not going to do it either Bisping thirty seven no. or something Woodley isn't he yeah Daniel Carmen is not going to do one steep so many steep in like three. Like it's it's gonna to be tough and heavyweight though, heavy yeah. Yeah, very tough. Yeah, I could see Amanda Nunes getting there as well. You know, she's very very good. I've read Amanda Nunes for a long time. Mm, I think Joanna's more likely though. I agree, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, UFC punts. Jason Knight getting ranked. Uh, uh getting a ranked opponent against uh, Ricardo Lamas. Thoughts? He said, I think uh, Knight could rise a la Cody and challenge for the belt. Yeah, I don't. I think he could fight for a title. You know, he's very good. He's improving all the time. Still, a little few deficiencies in his game. You know, I think he's he's a very wild grappler, which is grand against most guys lower down. But when you get up to the the, the top guys, you're leaving openings for them, and you're going to get caught against someone like say a Frankie Edgar or Ronaldo or someone like that. But yeah, I think he's improving all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if he got uh, got a title shot. He's his style is very good too. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think Ricardo Lamas is overrated as well. So I, uh, I think this is a good fight for uh, Jason Knight. If he wins this, he'll be in he'll be in contention then after that. So he mightn't be too far away. Mm-hmm. I agree. Nobler at Nobs Eleven. Who'd win in a super fight between Mark Hunt and Samoa Joe? <laughs> Samoa Joe, pro wrestler. Yeah. Brock Lesnar has already beat Mark Hunt, and he's a pro wrestler. So uh, we'll see now. Brock Lesnar's fighting Samoa Joe in a couple of weeks' time. So whoever wins that. Um, 
that could be that could be a big one. Uh, Mr. Podge again, I haven't heard the MM the AAA or whatever they're called say anything about TJ trying to jump in line for the DJ fight. Uh, can't even control their own. Yeah, this is a bit weird. I, I, I thought about this and I tweeted it during the week. Like TJ, TJ Dillashaw released like a, a tweet or an Instagram or something like, don't be afraid, Demetrius and stuff after Demetrius' thing, which is a bit weird seeing as uh, TJ Dillashaw was one of the faces for the the uh, MM AAA or whatever they're called the uh, the union that they were trying to, to trying to um, to create, which has kind of just gone down the drain. I haven't heard anything about it in, in months. Uh, yeah, I thought that I found that very very weird. Like you're supposed to be fighting for fighters' rights. There's a fighter here trying to fight for his own rights to get more money, and you're calling him like, uh, you know, what, what did you say? You're like, are you a man or a mouse or something like that or some shit like that? It's like, come on, brother, you know. Yeah, every time every time this happens that fighters try to stand up for their rights even even um it happens time and time again i remember aldo and mcgregor basically aldo have been talking for five six seven years about fighters rights and unions and associations and all this stuff and then uh didn't want to do a press conference and got pulled from a card over it and instead of instead of aldo supporting it he he ridiculed it the same here with TJ and uh, on DJ. It's just yeah. the lack of self awareness uh, <laughs> of what's Nate going Diaz. on. Nate Diaz did it best. Remember at that uh, that yeah. UFC 200 press conference, they left an empty seat and like Nate Diaz, I'm going on fucking go holidays. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll find you another opponent. He's like, I'm not fighting anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what you need to do. You remember Eddie Alvarez? You know he kind of did that a little bit as well. Remember when the the McGregor fight was? They were on about not having it and stuff at UFC what 205. And uh, he, like I think he took less money to do it and stuff, but yeah, it was... I think he just did it on the same contract uh, as yeah. he had before. Obviously, he got more pay per view points, but he he was in a better position to negotiate, and he he didn't. Yeah, Andy Stevenson at Andy Ste one two three. Thanks for your question, Andy. Friend of the podcast. Should UFC make Jones Gus two, regardless of who wins between Jones and DC? Jimmy Manoa could face DC. He says that you know that's a possibility. I could see that happening. Um. You know, mm, I, I think um, I think Gustafsson will get the will get the next shot, um, unless there's a, a trilogy if it goes one all. But I think John Jones will win, so I think it'll be Gustafsson. Yeah, if it's not Gustafsson and it's not a Jones rematch, I think that is the most likely outcome. I think go, Jones goes two and DC against Jimmy is the most likely. It's a, I think it's a big assumption as well, though, to think Manu is gonna gonna win as well against uh, Ozdemir. That's that's actually a good point as well. Yeah, um, Mr. Podge asked about the glory knockout. We spoke about that at the at the start. Um, let me just look at this. Da, 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 da. Uh, Kieran asks the underscore Irish Kieran, um, Ian Kutilaba versus the winner of Manoa, um, Manoa and Odzimir. Who do you think wins that? Like, uh, yeah, everybody's uh, people, people are talking a good bit about Manoa. We got a lot of Manoa related questions for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is odd, I suppose. I, I don't think that fight's going to get made. I think Manoa will be pushed on a little bit higher if he uh, if he beats Odzimir. But if if Odzimir wins, maybe that's a possibility. But Kutalab has only won one one fight in a row, so no, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's he's definitely got a bit of work to do to get into that uh, to that picture. Yeah. Um. Right. Next question from Brian McLaughlin. Thoughts on the Bellator MSG count on Joe? I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it? I actually haven't seen it yet. But I put it up on on. I am better than on severe, but I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Uh, 
it's supposed to be really good. So yeah, definitely check that out. Um, Gavin Spring it there for a question. We'll answer that in, in a second. Uh, oh, actually, he asked, "What's next for Ross Pearson after his fourth straight defeat? Could, could he be caught? I wonder. I, uh, he came uh, close to this before. I think he could." I, I don't think he will be caught because I think he's he's popular in the in the UK. He's so you want to be a fighter. He was on that ad for ages. People recognize him, and he can fill a, a, a spot on the Euro cards. And they don't seem to be in a rush to, to cut people like that who who are, are well known quantities for for years. Been in the Ultimate Fighter, been been around. They're, they're he's a good gatekeeper as well. Like if you can yeah, beat exactly. Ross Pearson, you're good. Like so. Here I have the, I have the fight for him. Choose the night contenders. Choose the night contenders. Right. Main event. Ross Pearson, Dan Hardy. Boom. <laughs> I don't want Dan Hardy to fight again. It's, it's, Why not? He's grand. I don't know. He, he, he wasn't that good in the first place. Like he bunches, <laughs> bunches. He, he Eddie Alvarez his way to a title shot and then got destroyed. And uh, you're a ba- you're a bad bastard. Dan Dan Hardy's good I remember seeing you talking to Dan Hardy for about an hour and a half there one day. And oh, yeah, he's a nice guy. Stab, like, stab maybe, him in the back like maybe that. That's, uh, maybe that's why I don't want him to fight because he's a nice guy and I don't want him okay. to, to end up uh, dope. Kieran <laughs> uh, Stapleton at the Soup Lad, friend of the podcast. Well, good man, Kieran. What does. Uh, where does the. in uh, Jesus. Where does the win win rank on MMA upsets <laughs> in MMA? Jesus, I can't oh, read. Not that high. Not that high. Not that I really, but it was an upset. I think it was it a was tough, very tough matchup for him. Yeah, I definitely thought that the, the size and the the awkwardness was going to be too much for him. But yeah, Ben Wynn is dangerous early. Like we 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 did, we did know that, but Tim Elliott usually is able to. He's so awkward that he's able to uh, negate the kind of quick start usually because people are trying to figure out what, what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kieran Seppling in. Could Mighty Mouse be the next big star to leave the UFC and boost opposing promotions? I don't think so. To be honest, he's not a big star, so no. <laughs> <laughs> That's true as well. But yeah, I don't. Where else does he go? Like, what does he do? Go and fights at one thirty-five pounds in Bellator? Have they even? Yeah, I suppose they have. Yeah, no. I don't he can know. get his Xbox sponsored back if he leaves. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. At Bear Butt Boogie, how happy is Sean that Derek Lewis lost? I'm not that happy. I like it like a bit of Derek Lewis, you know. I'm just happy that it was right more than anything. If I'd have been wrong, there would have been about 50 questions about what the fuck is Sean talking about? Sure, even Derek a problem. You, you picked against Derek Lewis like eight times in a row. You were bound to your right at some stage. Yeah, that, that, is, <laughs> that is true. Uh, Jimmy Banks asks, is Ross Pearson the worst fighter not to get caught by the UFC? No, no, no. Nowhere near. Definitely not. What about your one, uh, Cindy Dan Dice? <laughs> she's only had one already. fight and she's already gone for it. Yeah, midway through that round. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. She was pretty bad. Even though I think I had her win in that fight. Uh, Andy Hall, if you could choose two weight classes and open up one new one, if you close two weight classes and open up one new one in the UFC, what would it be? I'd close close one forty five and one twenty five, and I'd open one oh five for women. On oh, the women's, I like that. I think that's. I think that's good. I I'd nearly agree with that. I did maybe close heavyweight and close light heavyweight, and open like <laughs> a two hundred and twenty pound division, and just have them all fighting that way. Like there isn't that many lads. Like, you might lose Mark Hunt and Derek Lewis, but like Cain Velasquez, Stipe, they'd all make one two twenty. Like be grand. You think they would? Of course they would. Yeah. They'd like, be making like, big weight cuts, though, wouldn't they? No, not really. They're on like two thirty five or something, aren't they? They're not that much. Velasquez about two forty, is he? Is he? Maybe. 
I think he was bigger when he fought Lesnar. He was bigger. I think he kind of yeah. It depends on who he's fighting. He might put on a bit of extra size. Yeah. Uh, Ke- Kevin at Run KJC thirteen. Who wins in a three-way MMA tournament between Lindelof, Bai, and Vidic? Oh, Vidic. Vidic, hundred percent Vidic. My boy Lindelof, though. Next, the Premier League star coming in here. Fucking. Had you even heard of him? Yeah, I'm United have been after him for like 18 months now, so he's so the Red Devils got him instead. Uh, yeah, he's good on YouTube, so he so was Ryan Babel. Was he? Jesus, great on YouTube. They can edit fucking anyone to look good these days. James McLean from Keith or Golvon at Keith Calvin. James McLean and Johnny Walters, obviously, who else in the Irish team could have a successful MMA career? None of them. None of them. Mm, yeah, but like, who's the best Irish athlete in that team? James Coleman's probably the toughest of them. He is, yeah, and he's a good player, good, good athlete as well. Uh, they don't really have any, do they? Probably Brady, maybe. He's a good athlete, but yeah. he's a bit soft as well. Yeah, probably none of them. Yeah, I agree. What about Lee Chin? Do you know Lee Chin playing for Wexford Hurlers? Fucking unbelievable. He's the best athlete Ireland's ever produced. There you go. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's right. unbelievable he is unbelievable he single-handedly beat Kenny yesterday he is so brilliant he's unbelievable there you go I didn't see it I don't know Lee Chin I, if I you're listening know. if anyone listening here is friends with Lee Chin tell him Sean Sheehan thinks he's great there you go uh, la- <laughs> <laughs> last question Derek up Wexford by the way Derek Kelly at Kildara uh, which fight are you most looking forward to in the next four weeks so we've we have UFC Singapore coming up. We have Kevin Lee against um, against Michael Chiesa. We have Bellator. A lot of good, lot of um, good fights coming up. Actually, I know you don't like the whole Kevin Lee thing, but his comments about uh, I didn't. How was that I was supposed funny. to know he was such a mommy's boy? <laughs> I didn't know he was a big mommy's boy or whatever it was. That was so funny. That was hilarious. Fairness, now I must say, uh, especially I when suppose... he got triggered on any mention of his mom the last time. It's it's good to go with that again. <laughs> yeah, you have to do it. You have to. I suppose for Irish MMA, it's James Gallagher against Shinjo Machida. Obviously, the biggest fight of his career by a mile. That's gonna be uh that's gonna be good. Always exciting to see Fedor back. He's fighting Matt Mitrion. We'll talk a lot about that next week, I suppose. Um you know, interesting just, to see Aaron Pico's debut. I know it's definitely not the most anticipated, but that'll be an interesting one as well. Yeah. Uh, that Lee uh, Lee Kiesa fight is a good fight as well. Um yeah, there's a there's a few good fights coming up. I suppose no real huge, you know, headbanging fights. Let, let me just look at the, the UFC uh Website here. What's the what's the fight card after that? Um, the Ultimate Fighter finale. Oh, Johnson, Johnson and Gagey and Mark Jacquesi's fighting on that card as well against uh, what's his name? Close, uh, Dakar Close, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. My boy Elias Teodoro is fighting uh, Brad Tavares in that card as well. Not about. Ah, uh, that's not a great fight. No, it's all right. Yeah, it's not. Robbie Lawler against Cowboy Cerrone is happening. Four weeks time. There you go. That's the answer. Justin Gaethje in the in the UFC against Johnson. It's an, it's a just below elite level fight. So he's definitely he's definitely not being given an easy one, but it's it's a winnable one. But you're going to find out a lot about Justin Gaethje here uh, in this fight. Uh, I think that's, that's a real. It's very interesting. That's a real heart against skill one. Like I think Michael Johnson is way more skilled, but I think Justin Gaethje has way way more heart. That's an interesting one. You know it's. Can like I don't think if it goes Michael Michael Johnson's way in the first round, I think he'll probably knock out Justin Getty. I don't think Getty will take a shitload of damage 
if it goes that way, but uh, I'm not sure he'll be able to survive it. But if he can survive it and if he can come back, Johnson will Johnson will give up before he'll give up. You know, they won't give up, but uh, you know what I mean. He'll he'll outlast him. He'll outheart him that way. So that's I'm really looking. Yeah, Justin Gaethje is one of them guys. That you think he's he's kind of one of them guys that he he's willing to die in there. <laughs> yeah, he's insane. Yeah, really, if you haven't seen Justin Gaethje before, definitely tune in for that one. That'll be a that'd be a really really good fight. There's, uh, there's, there's an extra confidence when you're like what is he like 17, 18 now when you're undefeated as a, and you've you've had a good few fights. There's always that kind of invincibility uh, mindset and uh, maybe push through things that you, that you won't push through when you've had a couple of losses before when you don't you kind of have that self-belief is at an all-time high when you're when you're undefeated or you're you haven't been defeated in a long a long long time many years yeah i agree right that's it thanks everyone for listening follow me at chanji and ba follow graham at severe and may go over and give our facebook uh page a like you can give my facebook page a like as well chanji and mma uh instagram as well at severe may at chanji and ba you can follow me there please spread out the word of the podcast any articles we have um you know different things up on the website i believe there's um there's another swan humes piece coming in the next couple of weeks as well isn't there which should be yeah which people will like so yeah we, we'll keep that under wraps for another while and uh we, we'll let you know about that anything else graham no i think that's about it cool. actually just uh, right one, it was oh. it was one all in the serbia wales game so i think i think that's a good result for ireland so uh, go over to YouTube as well. Check out the severe snippet, uh, which we'll have probably have up in the next couple of days. A section from this podcast with a, you know, a little bit of discussion. Check out the Mark Casey video. We we teased it last week. It's up now as well. The, um, the Mark Casey uh, documentary. Uh, severe art on YouTube. We are. Um, there's other things there. There's there's all, lots of interviews and stuff. And I believe we'll have a couple more interviews up during the week. So be yeah. looking looking out for them as well. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, here comes the inspirational quote. A river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday.